everybody, and welcome to Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. My guest today is Rebecca Papadopoulos. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Charlotte. Nice to meet you. And you. Rebecca is a gut health consultant. She has also done some amazing things involving completing one Ironman in Lake Placid, which is upstate New York, multiple iron distance triathlons and 20 marathons. She currently is living in Australia and works as a strategy manager for talent acquisition at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. She did live in New York for 16 years before relocating back in 2016 with her two young children back to her home in Sydney, where she continues, no doubt, to run around the block a lot. Um, <laughs> um, Rebecca's very kindly agreed to come on the podcast this week, and we're going to talk about um, her amazing journey of weight gain and weight loss and weight gain and weight loss and what that has involved for her. And um, just to help share with us her mindset and her changes in directions that has helped her become the incredibly healthy and fit person I'm looking at right at the moment um, and be able to do these amazing events. She also um, mentors people in the space of running and health, um, in particular cancer patients and cancer survivors and cancer support people. Um, so we will also talk a little bit about that. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. My I'm excited. <laughs> I'd like to start, if we may, back with your childhood. I understand that you are second generation Greek heritage. Um, and I'd like to start with what was it like growing up in that family in Sydney um, and the role that I suppose we go straight to it, the role that food played in a, in a Greek community? Sure. Um, well, back in the day, I guess, you know, being second generation, uh, and my parents in, coming from a time of place in the world when there was war and not enough food around, there food really resembled love and a connection to family. So it was all about getting together over large amounts of food. Um, and, you know, the more food you ate, the more love you showed. Yes. So that, that was typical Greek, very loud, lots of food. And if you didn't eat, they got very offended, of course. And, and that's how they showed their purpose and place in life too, is to serve others with food. <laughs> I understand that you weren't necessarily a good eater, though, when you were young. So how did that work? Yeah, that's right. So I think as a toddler, you know, I think from the ages of two to three, um, it was sort of lack of acceptance. Why is this child not eating? All the other Greek children are, are are fat and healthy uh, and you know they connected food and your appetite to health so that if you as a child I just knew exactly how much I needed to eat I didn't want to eat anymore and there were visits to doctors and what's wrong with this child and let's sneak in some eggs in the milk and feed, you know feed us some protein type thing um, just the, the, I think it just came from this place of survival it was their upbringing and constant uh, as a parent I need to protect my child and keep them healthy and survive so it was just meeting that basic need um, but of course then growing up through high school and primary school and looking around and going well, why am I the fat kid here it's a bit of an anomaly every other person seems to be of, of normal weight um, and there was a little bit of the criticism there and bullying at school and and that's I guess what prompted the weight loss it was we've got to do something about this because every other person in the school is not as big as me 
you know, I think at the age of 12, I was 70 kilos in a size 14 pushing 16. Wow. Uh, and that wasn't the, the standard size for a 12-year-old. No. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and I think that's where the dieting started at about 12 years old. You know, it started with I'm just going to do a fruit diet all day long and just eat oranges, you know. Um, and so then, you know, the weight loss roller coaster started from there. So it was really, it started at a young age, right up until the age of 18. Um, at the age of 18, uh, I tried light and easy. I thought, let me try light and easy. I've heard about this program, seems to work. And I lost a tremendous amount of weight. There was a lot of pressure and stress with HSC as well during that time. So ballooning didn't help. So I hit the light and easy. And um, I think people were actually very worried about my weight, being underweight. Um, I, I joined a gym. I was training for two hours every day, seven days a week at night. So it got quite obsessive, um, you know, to the point where even those portions, the food that was being delivered, I started to have that thinking, well, hang on a second, now I can control the intake of the food and therefore control the weight. So the behaviour changes to one where if I couldn't control the food when I was younger, I'm going to do it now. And that's the mindset of I'm going to control my life type thing playing out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So really springing from one from one direction to another, going overly controlling on what was happening for you. Exactly. <clears throat> so... Was it the was it the food intake that changed first, or the exercise, or at, at what point? When did you realize one was more important than the other, or that you actually needed both? Yeah, I think the food intake started for me because mm -hmm. um, that's when I lost a lot of weight just off the food. We would do exercise anyway at school, basic PE stuff. Um, and then when I started adding in the exercise, that's when I realized, oh wow, I can actually lose more. So it started to become a bit of a game, to be honest. Um, how much more can you lose this week type thing? Right. Okay. Once you understood the levers and you played around with them, but, of course, that wasn't very healthy, was it? Because then the other side of that was weight gain, again, worse than before. Yes, of course, because you put your body into starvation mode and it shuts down and starts holding on to stuff. Yeah. 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 So I'm, in, um, I'm curious, what identity do you think you held through your, you know, up until your teenage years when you wanted to take action on this? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. I don't think there was an identity. It was, you know, your identity was based off, okay, I'm a Greek girl. I'm at this, you know, working class school um, and threw myself into studies because I wasn't as thin as the other girls. I went to a girls' school in high school, for example. So... I threw myself into studies and then started to lose the weight um, and just, you know, trying to find your identity was hard because you're born in Australia but you're raised Greek. So what are you? Are you Australian or are you Greek? I think all of us can relate to that. We struggled with this, you know, and at home you'd speak Greek and you'd be told don't speak English and then you're at school, it's like, well, you're at an Australian school. Don't speak Greek. <laughs> so that was a that was a that was a real struggle for a lot of us, yeah. I think, for girls when we talk about mm. that now, reflecting back. Um, and so my place was then, you know, I got very heavy into the whole exercise piece of it later in life. And that's where I've carved my niche and my identity is there. It's this 
how do you stop people tormenting themselves with weight loss? What's the answer here? What's the answer to this? Stop this roller coaster ride. We want to get off. Perfect. But that's been sort of like my mission. Yeah. And that's where you're at at the moment. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So the inspiration that kicked in here, was there a particular person, somebody you were modeling yourself on? Or was it, was it, I suppose what I'm saying here, was it a move towards decision or was it a move away from decision when you decided, right, I've got to get control of this? I think it was move away. It was the pain of just being uncomfortable in my own skin. It was really, I just don't want to be uncomfortable and fat and going to a store and be embarrassed. I don't want people look, it's self-consciousness, right? And I think the self-worth underpins all that as well. Um, and so it was just a move away. Let me see a search and seek mission. Let me see what else is out there because I just don't want to feel this way. So what else can I do to feel better about myself? Yeah. And, and that's what it started, yeah. yeah. Do you feel that's enough for people in order to be able to take control of something like weight gain? Or does it take more than just a move away from? I think for, for a lot of my clients now, the, the, the triggers there are really up. my back is up against the wall. I want to do something for myself now. You know, I've raised the family. I've looked after everybody else. I've lost myself. Mm -hmm. So for most people, it's that journey of I want to find me, myself, and it starts with my health. Yeah. My weight has ballooned. I'm embarrassed to be seen in public. I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. I want to feel good again. Yeah. Perfect. So it's moving away from that pain and shame. Mm -hmm. So once the ball gets rolling and people start to lose weight, I know that you, you had a relapse after you had children. What do you think contributed to that? I mean, obviously pregnancy does, but... Not entirely. So what else shifted? No, it's a good point. I was going through a separation and a divorce. It's quite a violent sort of marriage. Uh, and so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of that is about what did I do to blame? Again, you know, you're sort of looking introspectively. Did, did I do something I wasn't good enough? I wasn't comfortable enough to attract that. And so all of that stress and the breakdown of the marriage and what have you, um, I, I sort of look to food for that high and comfort. Mm -hmm. Again, controlling. Nothing else in my life is going right, so I'm going to control it with food, but this time sugar feels good to me. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to go and have some cake and a whole pizza pie. Yeah. So it was that, and then burn it off with training, right? So um, it was that mindset that uh, triggered me to put the weight back on mm -hmm. and then moving to Australia, I, you know, I sensed... I was ballooning again. This time it was a sort of size 12 going 14. Mm -hmm. I, I managed, I say a size 10, normal, normalised weight. Mm -hmm. And coming back, I thought, well, this is not working. I'm still training and exercising and the stress levels in the body were still very high, which is, you know, being in the field, the cortisone and the hormone um, imbalances. Mm -hmm. So then somebody spoke to me about a friend of mine that we grew up with. Now, she was a mum, and after she had a couple of kids, she put on 
quite a lot of weight. She was 150 kilos. All of a sudden, somebody said, had you seen Kim? She's lost a lot of weight. She's so skinny now. I said, what is she doing? Get me on it. I want that magic pill straight away. And that was the journey of the gut health when we connected. And she started to teach me about it's more than just weight loss. It's Mm -hmm. about getting your gut microbiome right and treating the gut. And it's sustainable. Fantastic. Yeah. So in learning what you've learned over the last few years, so we've, we've spoken briefly there about lifestyle habits in terms of choosing the food and choosing the exercise and, and not yo-yoing on these things. Um, with the gut health stuff, do you feel that there were things within childhood that set your, set your, get, set your gut up for this, this constant bouncing of, of weight and, and constantly gaining and losing weight. And you said, I mean, as you said, you could turn on the weight loss very quickly. So there's obviously stuff within the gut for you that was reacting or responding. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you nailed it, Charlotte. I think, I think when it came to um, look, the foods that we were also fed young, it was, you know, sugar, like white bread, get lots of butter on there and pile it with sugar you know, that'll keep them going type thing. So that sugar, you know, and the research that I've done, I mean, the addiction to sugar is worse than the addiction to cocaine. And what it does to the microbiome, as you know, like you're a scientist, is just it destroys it. And and my philosophy is when was the time that we had a perfect microbiome, all of us now, and the only time I can really think is when we were born. Everything we did and took and ingested since that time till now has destroyed the lining of our stomachs and the microbiome. We haven't fed it enough raw foods or natural foods and we don't feed it often enough. So for me, the destruction of the microbiome just meant my, my organs were not getting, when I did go on a diet and if it was clean, it just wasn't pulling the nutrients in fast enough. So I was still feeling that sluggish and fatigue and the body wasn't responding, no matter how much exercise you did or how much water you drank. Mm-hmm. if the microbiome isn't there and alive and you're feeding it it's not going to help your body get to where it needs to go or get the nutrients in the right places yeah and of course the research these days is showing us that there's twice as many messages that go from the gut to the brain than go from the brain to the gut and I know you had a wonderful I was looking at your um, brilliant Instagram thank you um, and we'll, people will look at that no doubt afterwards um, but there was one lovely post there where you were talking about cravings you know just hang in there 15 minutes and that craving will be gone as long as I go and think of something else or do something else so in a world that is driven by the instant, the immediate, you know, we, we carry an enormous computer with us everywhere we go. We get answers to any questions. We plug into it within seconds. Mm. We're setting ourselves up for immediate gratification in so many areas. And sh- do you feel that those cravings are yet another example of immediate gratification and we've just lost that ability to hold out for those 15 yeah. minutes? <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. And a lot of it is the childhood stuff, right? It's here's a treat, mm-hmm. here's a chocolate treat, and you'll feel a lot better. So it's it's the attachment that we have to the sugar cravings and the food. And usually sugar, if we think about it, was celebration, birthday parties and Christmases and dessert. This, this is what you look forward to, dessert after dinner, right, just yeah. to celebrate because you've just 
you know, pile down a whole plate of food. Uh, let's just treat, you know, celebrate that. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It, it's just taking a moment and sometimes it's also running away from the stresses. We're going to look to that comfort. I want to run away, but I really can't. So what's the quick fix before I get back into the fire and the battle zone? Yeah. So it's a little bit of that going on. And so when I talk about just take that, you know, 30-second break, even 30 seconds, 15 to 30 seconds is a game changer in your mindset and your brain to go, hang on a second, I'm going to take a step back and actually just pick up a book, just hold a book in your hand for 30, 15 to 30 seconds and distract your mind yeah. yeah, or a glass of water. Yeah, because most likely it's you're actually quite thirsty, so I just need a glass of water. Perfect. And yeah, that's a biggie um, that I heard probably twenty years ago. A lot of the time, when we think we're hungry, actually we're thirsty. Yeah. Um, so in the the current environment where recent situations have sent people to working at home, and you're only I don't know what am I now ten steps away from my refrigerator. Um, these kind of tips that you're, you're giving here are absolutely invaluable. Thank you. I hope so. I mean, I've practised it probably, you know, 25, 30 years of practice with this sort of stuff um, and a lot of, you know, meetings and uh, group associations, those sorts of things we've always talked about. What else can you do um, to shift, you know, that instant trigger? Mm -hmm. of going to something that's not healthy yeah and what other lifestyle habits do you think people need to put in place um, in terms of overcoming weight gain issues I think a lot of it is time for yourself like putting you know carving out and planning in the week I'm going to give myself 10 minutes in the morning or at lunch, or at just before bed, just to wind down and get back into centre, okay? And then prioritising, I'm going to have eight glasses of water in a day and I'm going to have one glass every hour. It's as simple as breaking that down. And I think the third real critical success factor is preparing your food for the week. I'm always talking about Sunday's prep day. And like when you go grocery shopping, just prep those meals, breakfast, lunch and dinner, put them in the fridge, label them up, even your snacks. So it's a no brainer. So when that trigger does hit, it's actually just, it happens instantly without thinking. You'll open up the fridge, there's your food, you grab it out and it's, you know, a bunch of grapes in your Ziploc bag as your snack will do the trick, for example. So just being prepared. Perfect. Beautiful, absolutely perfect tips for everybody. Thank you. And, you know, it doesn't have to be around weight loss either, audience. Um, this is just great tips for healthy living, really. So thank you. Um, in regards to gut and gut health, um, what have been your biggest learnings there? I mean, we've, we've spoken about what can muck it up. What, what things can you do to actually rebuild a gut or a microbiome? Yeah, I think the biggest learning, at least for me, was getting rid of dairy and sugar. And wow, what a change to the energy levels that was, number one. I think number two was supplements. I was a non-believer 
before embarking and using supplements as part of gut health, but I realised that the quality of the food, even, you know, to go and grab an apple from a grocery store, that apple has had so many touch points from farm to your table that it's lost quite of the real raw nutrients. Unless you're living in a farm and growing your own food with your own soil, you don't know what the quality of those nutrients are. So the supplements help to balance that out and pull whatever nutrients are there straight into the bloodstream. Um, and that made a huge difference for me. Um, and I think just how clean eating is so easy. It really is much easier than packaged foods. It's really easy to get some fish, you know, dry fry it, some sprouts, cucumbers, and that's quite satiating. So it's really filling. It's just really easy lifestyle to be clean and eaty. The, the packaged foods make it all very confusing, I feel. Yeah, absolutely agree. And there's once again, there's some great tips um, for the listeners on your um, Instagram with comments about exactly some of the things that are hidden within processed foods, even frozen foods, um, that actually seem to promote weight gain or holding weight. So because they are targeting um, gut health and undermining gut health. Mm. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we've certainly spoken over the last 14 weeks on this podcast about the importance of trying to eat organic if you can, but if you can't, at least a grower's market. So you're getting fruit and veg from somewhere that's within, you've mentioned there about the soil. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your understanding with the soil and the local environment. Well, I'm not an expert, but, you know, it, it, you've got to be living in a as much of a toxic-free environment as possible, which is pretty hard these days, really hard. Even, you know, if you take a drive out to the farms, they're still a lot closer to the city these days than what they were years before. So that soil is getting contaminated, right? So, but the soil makes a huge difference because the quality of the soil is directly related to the quality of the food that's being produced so I, I would go so far as to say you know you go to the farms you grab the manure and make your own that way um but yeah I, I i wouldn't be an expert on this little piece of it though i do i do think it does impact the quality of the food and the nutrients for sure and i know there's been research that talks about um your gut microbiome is related to your um, your soil microbiome around you. So the importance of um, eating food from your immediate environment and getting the bacteria that's on that fruit and veg that's been farmed locally to you is consistent with the bacteria that's in your gut. So you're eating food that has the microbiome that's feeding your existing microbiome to maintain it being healthy. Um, we spoke a little bit mm -hmm. very early on about your role with um, mentoring uh, cancer survivors in running. And this started back in the US, I understand, when you started training for yourself and you had some of your early successes. Um, but just before we go there, yes. can you tell us a little bit about um, what kind of mindset it takes to decide to run an Ironman? <laughs> <laughs> a 
that's a great question. Oh, that's a great question. You've got to be crazy, number one. <laughs> I'm glad you acknowledge that. <laughs> so they say, you've got all the time in the world to train, you know. That was sort of the first thing. Yeah. Um, look, I think, you know, my inspiration came from the patients mm-hmm. and people that I knew who were living with cancer mm-hmm. and people going through chemotherapy. So it was really about doing it for them. It was really, well, if this person is suffering and enduring, we have no excuses. We really have no excuses. We're healthy. We wake up. You know, what are we complaining about? These people are suffering. They can't even get out of hospital beds, okay? So this is actually an Ironman is fun. We're very lucky to have the health to be able to do it. And I think that's where it came from. It was the journey. It was the community of um, the group that we trained with, all the people that inspired us. Um, it was our connection to the cause. We each knew somebody who had either passed of cancer or was suffering from cancer. So that was our bond. And we said, we're just going to work as a team and show up at Zoom sessions and show up at the cycling and let's see how far we can go and push our bodies. But at the same time, really enjoy it and raise money most importantly, raise money and raise awareness for this cause. Because they couldn't do it, we're doing it for them. Yeah, fantastic. The ultimate um, give back of generosity. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. How, how do you think your fight with weight gain helped you, like in wanting to overcome your weight gain, helped you with getting through an endurance sport like this? Like, are those two things analogous? Yeah, they're very yeah they're very related in terms of the willpower piece, right? So when you start a weight loss journey, if it comes with the food, you're breaking down old habits. It's you're so used to I'm going to have you know from going from the sugars and eating you know huge amounts of food to try and stopping yourself from eating that amount of food, right? Normal amount portion. Same thing with the training. It's your willpower to keep going, even when there's pain or even when your mind says to you, oh, don't be stupid, you can't do this, you're not an athlete. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't possibly, you're not a pro. What are you doing out here? You're going to destroy yourself, right? You've got to keep pushing. You've got to keep going and going, okay, well, just one more step and you're tired Mm -hmm. and you say, but there's somebody in a hospital bed who's getting a drip of chemo I'm going to keep going just till the next tree, (laughs) just to the next pole, just another 10 steps. So it's that mindset and the willpower of pushing through both sides, pushing through sometimes the hunger on weight loss and pushing through endurance. And then as you start to experience the gains and the wins and you're making a difference, how does that change your identity how did it change your identity I should say I might have some technical difficulty here Charlotte if you can hear me properly that's all right um I was just saying with those wins that you made and those gains and as you learned to run to that next pole or that next tree and you experienced that you were making a difference here um what how did that change your identity
Yes. Great question. Um, I, it just gave me a bit and it, and again, that ability to go, you know what, I can, I can step into this and I can feel comfortable now in my my I've got it's about how I see myself and I'm quite proud of myself to get there. <laughs> of course. That's incredible. You know, it was it was a bit of that. It was pushing the boundaries, but also feeling good about accomplishing something that you never thought you could. Yeah. Wonderful. And when that happens, sometimes unfortunately around us, there are family members, there are friends and partners who aren't invested in you actually becoming successful or breaking an old stereotype. So mm-hmm. what advice would you have for the listeners if they're trying to make changes and, and build a new them, uh, yes. feeling held back by family members or even identifying it actually, to be honest, to start with, sometimes it's hard to identify these people might actually be sabotaging you in that role. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Great call out. So, you know, Typical Greek family, Greek girls aren't supposed to do these crazy things, are they? Not really. No. Just clean your room, do your studies, get married, have your children and get a normal nine-to-five job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to push those traditional old beliefs and limiting beliefs, it's about building, I think, just trusting yourself enough and being in that space of calm and sense of confidence that you can actually say, you know, this is important to me and I really need your support because I can't do this without you. So including, again, the family and saying, can I have your support because I'm really not happy living my life this way? And it's just being open and honest to communicate but knowing that it's okay if you're going to get some backlash but so important to not, put so much acceptance on what other people say or think about you, it's okay. You know, so when you speak up about that, expect that they may not be ready to receive that message from you, but they will hear that you need their support and they can't do it without you. Because for a lot for a lot of people, especially my family, it was really about don't leave us abandonment, we love you, if you go and do something crazy, what are people going to say? It's that judgment piece, you know. But once I started to do it, they saw how happy I was and they're, like, actually really proud <laughs> right now. They're like, I'm glad you were crazy enough to do all this stuff. And, by the way, you actually raised some good money, <laughs> you know, for people that needed it. So it's beautiful. It's telling the story of why you're doing it and why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect and and beautifully stated. So yes, the respecting their position and how uncomfortable your action might make them feel, but being brave enough to to have that conversation because otherwise there's that horrible unsaid words that just hang between you that tends to break down relationships in family. Yeah. 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 Well done. Thank you. Um, so. I have to ask, though, you intrigue me. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What's your? You have many things on the go. I can tell that from how what it, you know setting this podcast up today. There's lots going on. Yes. Um, what's your strategy for tackling a problem? How do you approach things mm. in general, just in in your life, so um, listeners can understand? 
Yeah. Oh, big question. I like that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't panic. I really don't panic when there's a I'm very solution mindset driven. Um, so when there's a problem in life, I come at it from a tactical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So um, I won't get emotional about it initially. I'll say, right, here's the problem. What's what's the outcome I want to get to? So, for example, when I was living in the States and wanting to come to Australia, you know, I knew I wanted to come back home. Who did I need to speak to? Who were my key sponsors and people of support? So I'd go to those people. I'd say, I've got this problem. What do you think? How do I get there? Here's my goal. How do I get there? So I really bring people on a journey with me. And I seek a lot of opinions from people that I value who inspire me. Um, old school people as well, because I know that they will tell me the obstacles that I'm going to come up against. Okay. And then people who are really innovative and creative and have pushed the boundaries, the extreme. So that's how I really approach problems. I talk a lot about and share with people. I'm an open book. So I'm quite um, vulnerable at times to people and I just think you've just got to be honest with people and tell them that, hey, I'm not perfect, I've got this problem, what do you think? Brilliant. Thank you. And you've, you've just highlighted, I think, a lot of the very the, the key answers to being successful in life and one of those huge ones is is being prepared to be vulnerable with people. Yeah. Yeah. That um, a lot of the time I think people will put up a screen of what they yeah. think they need to be. And yeah. the challenge with that is that it's very difficult to be the authentic you and then step into that new identity if you're busy trying to hold on to a persona that you think others expect of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. And yes, the importance of community and and having great people within your team that you can ask for advice and yeah, stand on the shoulders of giants. Yes. (laughs) I like that analogy. (laughs) And finally, of course, staying calm because yeah, the tsunami might be coming your way, but there are things that can still be done. There's always something that can be done. Yes. Brilliant. So How do people connect with you uh, if they're interested in learning more about your journey? And I know that you have um, a range of products that you're currently using to help you stay healthy. We were talking earlier about the supplements and building the microbiome. That doesn't just happen because we decide it's going to. I can assure you, listeners, that takes work and it takes knowledge and skill. Um, so how do people find you, Rebecca, and connect with you and find out more about what you can offer? Yep, they can message me. I'm on Facebook, Rebecca Papadopoulos, um, first name, last name, and Instagram at Coach Rev. Um, so, yeah. Wonderful. They can message me that way. Any last thoughts for today? Just thank you so much for the opportunity to get the message out on gut health I think it's really important to give people clarity people are just you know stressed overwhelmed COVID they're being forced to face emotion and I think that if you get your gut right you get your brain right you can think clearly and you become much more calmer for sure so thank you so much for doing what you do and spreading the word of health and well-being 
Pleasure. And yes, you're right. When we're calm, we make decisions that support us. So, and so much of that comes from the gut and the gut health. So thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you for helping all these people who need your help. You're an inspiration. And I really admire your capacity to run an Ironman. It is not ever going to be something that I will do, but I am always inspired and in awe of people who can do those kind of momentous events. So thank you again for your time today, Rebecca, and we wish you all the very best with your journey. Thank you, Charlotte. Take care. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please do rate us, review us and recommend us to others. Please do reach out to Rebecca if you have friends or family who you think are currently struggling with weight loss and see what she has to be able to offer them. I look forward to being with you again next week. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Charlotte DeCourcy Bailey. Welcome to Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. This is a podcast about the power of a human decision and the incredible ability of the mind to guide you on your journey through life, equipped with the skills to tackle adversity and to overcome setbacks. We are real stories with a little bit of science. Thank you so much for listening. If this is a message that resonates with you, make sure that you check out the link in the description and subscribe to get more insight on Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People.